Martel, you want to come and I want to pray for you? How are you going? Okay, we'll find out. <laughs> thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, we just thank you for, uh, for this beautiful and wonderful man, Lord. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, just uh, fill him afresh, Lord. Pour in, fill up all any gaps, Lord. Uh, even just in the way that he just pours out into people uh, in his everyday life. We just uh, we receive him, Father, the message that you have uh, to release through him this morning. We just pray, Holy Spirit, your anointing on his words and your anointing on our ears to hear what you have to say this morning. We just pray blessing, pour back in, Father, as he pours out uh, what you have put in him, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for trusting me with this microphone. Oh, okay. I'm a little bit undone this morning. I don't know about you. Um, I could almost cry. I don't do that very easily. So just the way the worship team led and, yeah, it was beautiful. So well done, team. Rory at the back there. There must be a couple of proud parents over here. Yeah. Eh? Amen. Ebony, you did well. So it's, it's good. Mitch, coming in, brother. I, can, I, I sense it's, it's really happening there. It's good. I'm a little bit undone this morning for several reasons. Um, I've been sitting on a message for a while, and I've alerted Brad and Amy and the team to that. I don't expect to, be, to preach, and I don't care if I don't. In that sense, I, I think I've dealt with that. But it's just been r running around in my heart for a while. So I shared about, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, and then I sat down with Brad again last week, week before, whenever. Whew. I'm going to start with a verse which actually was going to be in the middle of the message, mainly because I want to just, as I was in the pre-worship, by the way, there's some friends of ours here, Mark and Marisol, and Cherise, and Jack, and Damien, and Michaela, all from, uh, no, actually, some of them are not from Kalgoorlie, but Mark and Marisol are from our church <laughs> back in um, Botswana. Um, we dedicated uh, Cherise and Damien. Uh, as little babies way back. So, yeah, it's fruit of our ministry. It's, um, yeah, let me not go there. I'm going to cry some more. <laughs> in Acts um, 13 and 22, this has really hit me. In the, in the prayer time, uh, in the pre-service prayer time, it just came back into my heart. And I've always read this. The, I'll read it the way I've kind of read it, and then... I'll read it the way that the NIV says it. And I thought it says that I've found a man with a heart after me. But I'm beginning to see, David, I found the man who's after my heart. Okay? I don't think I've seen it like that before. I found David a man after my own heart. And he'll do whatever I tell him. There's an obedience factor there as well. But that's not where I'm going. I found David a man... This is Paul, by the way, Paul is uh, re-quoting re -qu a scripture from the Old Testament. I can't exactly remember where it is now. But it isn't, it's funny because New Testament quotes of Old Testament scriptures are not always word for word. Um, but Paul was preaching and he, and he said, I have found, and he was relating back to David, I have found David, a man 
after my own heart. So I've been meditating on that this morning. That's why I've got a little bit undone. <laughs> so um, and I think that's obviously we're all in a different stage of what God is doing in our heart journey. I think some of us have discovered we've got one, especially us men. And we've understood why the women are always weeping and crying and so on. They've got one, but it's been hurt because we don't understand it and blah de blah de blah So God is, in a sense, God is taking us all on a journey of rediscovering or connecting us to our hearts. And then I'm starting to think, oh, hold on, God's got a heart too. Wow. So if God has a heart, uh, it's a perfect heart, you know, what am I going to discover as I push into that? You know, so I know some of you might be miles ahead of me on this, I realize. But it's just something I want to share as I start this morning. Because I'm going to be over all over the place a little bit. I use a little bit of humor. So if I offend anybody this morning, I'm just dealing with the religious side of you or the legal side of you. So then I'll ask you to forgive me afterwards, which you have to do. <laughs> so it'll be okay. But I just want to start here because this is where we are. The message is about the heart. Um, but I'm going to be a bit naughty for you because really I want to talk about circumcision. And so Brad is going to be out the back with a little flint knife. <laughs> so all the guys, I want you to go back through there. Would you, Brad and Kev, just stand at the door and make sure nobody goes out that way. And ladies, if you hear a little yell or two, you'll know what's happening, all right? Have I, have I offended anybody yet? I bet you some of you are thinking, what is he going on about? I actually want to talk about heart circumcision, circumcision of the heart. Now, this started just through just my regular readings. I don't know about you, but I get a lot out of just my regular daily readings, and I was reading through Acts, and um, I came across uh, Stephen's message. Stephen's message as he was about to be martyred, um, he was giving a historical record of what's happened through Israel and all that sort of thing and so on. And this is from uh, Acts chapter 7. So if you can go there, I'll read just a very short section of this. This is what struck me. Um, by the way, heart circumcision is not a new theme to me. Our church back in New Zealand many, many years ago, it was a teaching theme for a while. And I, I, you know, I felt that I went through what I felt the message was about and so on. So it's not a new thing to me, except it's not very often mentioned. I don't think I've heard another message on it anywhere. Maybe there has been. I, don't, I hope I get it right. That's the other thing uh, and so on. But I thought here I'm going to give you a list of seven things that um, Stephen brought out about the people around him. Now, obviously, these are Jewish people. They haven't come into the New Testament experience. They've resi resisted God in a sense and still resisting the message of salvation. But the reason why I, I want to take you somewhere, the reason why I'm mentioning the seven negatives, I thought about, well, what's the opposite of these seven? That should actually give us a picture of what a circumcised heart is. So I'm taking you somewhere, all right? So I'll read the scripture very quickly. He says from verse 51, Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7, verse 51. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. I haven't figured out what an uncircumcised ear is, so I'm not even going there. <laughs> so, <laughs> you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? 
They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was put into effect through angels, but have not obeyed it. Now, I've just used preacher's license here. I've picked out seven things there that, if you're taking notes, I'll go slow. Hopefully, just one or two words will actually put that. uh, And then I'm going to give you another seven if you want to leave a space if you're taking notes. I don't know how you do that on your phone, but anyway, that's your problem. Uh, If necessary, I can always send out uh, some notes later or put them on the internet. So the first one is they were stiff-necked, and now that speaks of pride. So an uncircumcised heart um, evidences pride. That's the first thing. Second, I saw that they resisted the Holy Spirit. Just a statement, okay? Resisting the Holy Spirit. Um, The third thing is that I saw that they were resisting the prophetic or the the aspects of the prophetic, which we value a lot in the church here. We value the, the positive aspects of the prophetic and, and try and lead that in a balanced way. So they're resisting the prophetic. Um, they killed the anointing. In other words, they killed the anointed one. So therefore, by, ref, yeah, by, by extension, they, an uncircumcised heart wants to keep the anointing down, rejects it, and so on, doesn't like it, uncomfortable with the anointing. All right? And I love the anointing. Um, the, the, the fifth one speaks of betrayal, which is, uh, it could be misleading or deceiving. They betrayed, it says there, uh, I don't know which verse it says now, whatever. They betrayed Jesus anyway. So, um, And then there's this thought of legalism and religiosity. Um, you have received the law that was put into effect through angels, but have not obeyed it. So they received it. Um, but so there's an aspect of legalism. We know that the law basically leads to legalism. Legalism is sets of laws and regulations, no freedom to do what God wants you to do. You must do it this way. And it's top-down, heavy leadership stuff and all that, which most of us have come from. So we don't like that, do we? And everybody said yes, no, whatever. So, and then finally, there was disobedience, the last part there, you have, but have not obeyed it. So these are... Seven things I've picked out. You'll probably go through it. You'll probably find something else there. Uh, I just use those as points just to, to reference what an uncircumcised heart is. So we can begin to understand what that looks like. Of course, there's n- nobody in here like that. So that's fine. Because we exhibit the other list that I'm going to bring out, which I'll bring the opposite of the stiff-necked or pride, obviously, humility. Maybe you can always, if anybody thinks of something else, you can just yell it out, by the way, as we go through. So, therefore, a circumcised heart, whatever that looks like, whatever that happens, will exhibit humility. It should welcome the Holy Spirit. There'll be a hunger for Him as opposed to resisting the Holy Spirit. So, there's a welcoming, a hunger, a desire for God's Spirit to be exhibited, released, be in our hearts and our lives and so on. And we're all at different stages of that. I understand that. What does that mean anyway for some of us? But it's a journey, isn't it? So what's the opposite of resisting? The prophetic obviously welcomes or values the prophetic to work amongst us, all right? So that's straightforward. Um, The opposite of killing the anointing is obviously valuing the anointing or releasing the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Betrayal, opposite of betrayal or misleading, deceiving is to build up, to edify, to encourage... To, to see value in somebody else, to always put them ahead of yourself and so on. So that's going to be a part of the 
um, the circumcised heart. Um, the opposite of legalism and religiosity is freedom, grace, mercy. Within the, within the context of, an, of, a, of a safe structure and so on, but that basic of freedom, when you give something away, you always get it back, it comes back to you. So there's a sense of freedom, uh, the lack of laws and regulations. Have you noticed there's very few laws and regulations here? Yes, one or two, hallelujah. Like, the only one law that you have is don't let your children be here doing worship. Why? Because they're probably going to get whacked on the head. You know, that's not a law. It's just a bit of advice, isn't it? You know, so yet there's a real sense of structure and authority here, which is very safe. So there's freedom, grace, mercy, and a whole lot of other things that flow with that. And then finally, disobedience, of course, obedience to the Word of God and to the Holy Spirit. You find people that have a circumcised heart. Their heart is in a good place. Um, there's just that immediate obedience to anything that God says most of the time, eh? <laughs> right. Okay, so that, does that help you? A little bit of definition. So let's just move on from that because I think Old Testament circumcision does actually give us, uh, the, please keep away from the imagery, imagery here, okay, but just uh, It's there for a reason in the Old Testament. And I've I've picked up a couple of thoughts from that. Again, there's probably a lot more, which I haven't had time to really get into. But in Old Testament circumcision, if the Jews actually kept it, it was a sign of the covenant with God. That God's covenant was enacted for that child, that family, and that the blessing of God, the blessings of Abraham, and so much more came into that. By the way, Abraham was given his promises before circumcision. Circumcision was a sign that you belonged to that. But again, with the Old Testament, unfortunately, it became a legalistic thing, and that's where they lost it. But nevertheless, it's a sign of the covenant of God. God makes covenants with us, doesn't he? And he allows us to be in there and to uh, receive the benefits of those and so on. Um, yeah, I won't go there. It's just a bit too much imagery. No, I'll say something. There is, no, I'm going to, because I think if you can get past this, um, the idea of circumcision is that the man now is is, is in covenant and the life that he releases with his wife, building children, is that there is a pure line of blessing. So I'm trying to say that without all the imagery there. So there's something that life that is so-called pure comes forth. I know it's under the law, but hey, in a... If your heart is free and you're giving life to others, there's going to be a pure life that flows forth. You know, that's kind of where I want to go. Okay. Because these Old Testament things are pictures of New Testament realities. That's where I want to go. The cutting away of the flesh, a certain amount of flesh was cut away. And so it speaks of that whole area of the flesh being dealt with in the New Testament experience, uh, the old nature and so on being done away with. But I think the thing that I kind of reflected on a little bit is that every boy of course was circumcised on the eighth day so this happened very early in the life of that little boy of those of those children those boys and it's an event that should happen this circumcision of heart should be something that we expect early on just a thought there okay it was a community event all the men gathered around it was a celebration I know there's a little bit of crying going on, but there was a bit of celebration. Um, sorry, I'm not trying to make a joke of that, but it, it, there was pain involved. But there was a celebration. All the men celebrated that event. If you read into Jewish um, 
history or, or the Jewish life, even these days, it's a celebration of the men. It's not a, it's not a horrible thing. It's actually a celebration. By the way, if circumcision is done on about the eighth day, it's the least painful time for circumcision. Just saying that. So therefore, if we apply this to our lives in a spiritual sense and allow God to cut away the flesh of our hearts, it's going to be less painful early on. You can keep your stuff if you like, but it's going to be more painful later on, dealing with it. You're going to come around the mountain sometime. <laughs> because God is so good. Not because he wants to cause you pain, because he wants you to be free of that pain. All right. I know there's a lot of stuff coming here. There are two occasions. When I was preparing this, there were two occasions in the Old Testament where circumcision hadn't been carried out and it became a little bit dangerous. Or, or Actually, there are two different ones. One is out of Exodus 4. I'm not going to read it, but it, out of Exodus 4. And that's when Moses was going. He was sent back to, take the, to, to release the people of Israel out of Egypt. And on the journey with his wife and son, it uh, seems to mention just one son. The son was not circumcised. And an angel came out and was about to kill Abraham. And Zipporah, his wife, took a knife and circumcised the boy. And the angel of death went away. These are funny little things. But why? What? See, Moses was about to enter into a time when there was going to be huge confrontation. There was some of the most miraculous things that ever happened, happened with Moses in Egypt. All right? And that's a picture, of course, us being released from Egypt and all that. I'm not going into that. But just the thought of when, if we don't go through heart circumcision, if, if God is not allowed, it's, it's a process, by the way. We're not all there. Don't, don't, it, there's nobody perfect around here, so please, when I present this, it's not from a place of perfection, but it's a journey. And if we don't allow the Lord to get his knife in there at times, when he needs to and when he wants to, you will not be able to face the pharaohs of this life. You, 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 there will be death, the death. Something will go wrong. Yeah, it can. So um, the other one is similar and speaks of victory, this time from Joshua chapter 5. Um, again, it's, I'm going to take quite a bit of time if I read this, so I'll just refer to it. Joshua chapter 5, children of Israel came out of Israel through the, um, the, the desert for 40 years. Moses died on Mount Nebo, handed over to Joshua, and Joshua's role was to take them into the promised land. So he was a young man who was raised up. Uh, him and Caleb were the only two that came all the way through because they had faith. And they could see, yes, God, you can do this. So Joshua was chosen to lead them in. So they came across the River Jordan. That was a miracle of itself. The river stopped flowing. The priests took the, uh, the, uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant across, stood in the middle of the river. A lot of imagery, a lot of truth there. But it's interesting that they went through, and as they went through, the water began to flow. The first thing that God says, right, I want you to circumcise. Actually, it says circumcise again. But what it was is that in the desert, they had not been circumcising the boys. So before they could take the promised land, there had to be circumcision. Hello? You see where I'm going? Okay? For us to take our promised land, our promised land, or a, 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 a joint promised land, or whatever there is, there has to be a degree of circumcision. Otherwise, there's going to be disaster. Okay? 
So it's, I'm, I'm sharing these things out of encouragement. Allow God to work in your heart, on your heart journey, into the heart of God. I found David a man after my own heart. As we go after the heart of God, there is going to be some things occasionally that will come up. Go through it. Deal with it. Get it cut out, whatever. Um, I'll show you in a moment that actually positionally this is done in baptism, but I don't want to get ahead of myself just yet. But So Joshua circumcised them, and it's interesting that circumcised them again. I don't know why again they hadn't been circumcised. So, you know, I don't know. I, c I don't know the truth of that, but every person, every man, every male, uh, in a sense, had to bring himself before God and he was circumcised then. So there may be s times when in our heart journey there is, again, a fresh circumcision going on. Maybe that's what it means. I, I don't know. But just, it's valuable for me because... How many times has a knife gone in there? Many times. And there's going to be more. Hello? What happened? It's inside. So what is heart circumcision? I think I've been able to paint a little bit of a picture. And how do we do it? You know, do we get everybody to line up on the one side of the church and we get Rachel and the prophetic team to prophesy with areas of the heart that are not dealt with? There's some flesh there, you know. And then we get um, uh, Brad and Lisa and Amy up here with a knife, and uh, you go past them and they cut it out, and then the Life Hub leaders are on this side and pouring oil in and healing us up afterwards. I mean, no, that's, that's it's quite, there's a lot of pictures there, isn't there? Yeah, that's what happens, isn't it? Doesn't Amy get her knife out occasionally? Brad, Lisa, Rachel as well, hey? And cut things away. Haven't you all been through that process? Well, in a way... That's part of heart circumcision, I suppose. Um, but I want to bring you another story because I feel that baptism is a major part in the journey of heart circumcision. But I've discovered that it's not everything. So baptism is very, very important. I just want to go over one chapter, chapter 8, if you're still in um, Acts there. If you're on an app, you just flick it to the right or the left, and you might get there. Acts chapter 8. Um, verses 9 to 25, there's a story there about a man called Simon who was a sorcerer. Now, what had happened is that um, there was per the persecution of Stephen. Everybody ran away from Jerusalem except for the apostles. They didn't get the message. They didn't run away. They didn't go out and preach. But Philip went down to Samaria, and he began to preach, and there was tremendous power in his preaching. Demons came out, it said, and all sorts of things, and there was there was a, a, a guy called Simon who practiced sorcery. And he, was, he, was, he himself amazed all the people, so people were following him. So it says, um, this man, uh, and, he, and they spoke about him as this is the divine p power known as the great power. And they followed him in that city. But when they, verse 12, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. So what do we see here? Here's a guy that's involved with sorcery and witchcraft and all sorts of stuff, uh, bad stuff, basically. He saw the power of God working through Philip. Um, he listened to the message. He repented. He was baptized. He began to follow Philip. He was being discipled in a sense and amazed by it. 
So then they sent Peter and John to come down because they heard that God was working there. And it says in verse 17 that Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw, verse 18, that the Spirit was given by the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability to do that so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Um, is that a wrong desire? Oh, when I look at this, I thought, shouldn't I also be desiring to lay my hands? You know, but his came from a wrong spirit. His, if you understand animism, that's the way you function. And if something works better than what you've been using, you use that. So that's very, very short, long story short. You have, to, you have to read underneath this. This is what's going on. He's seen that, okay, that power's working better than the one I've had allegiance to. Um, I'm going to go with that one. Okay, so on the surface it looks good, but underneath there was a wrong intention. So remember now he's what? He believes in Christ. He's baptized. He's following around. He's being discipled, but he comes up with this wrong thing. So Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part and share of this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord, but perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Okay, I just want to take you somewhere here. This guy's baptized. Hello? What happens when you're baptized? You die, right? And you're raised to life again. Of course, most of us know that it shouldn't be like that. It doesn't always work out quite like that. So this assignment's having the same problem, isn't he? Positionally, something has happened. We have died. Some stuff has been cut away. Positionally, we can, we can, uh, the idea is you can look back on your baptism as an event and say, hold on, I died there. So if I died there, therefore now I can appropriate that. All right, so it's a journey. And you might have to go back to your baptism many times, not to be baptized again. Some of us wish we were. Some of us may have been. By the way, if you feel to be baptized again, um, I would encourage you to go through it because there may be just something that you just need to put a peg in the ground. No, I've done it twice. The enemy's been on me about this for a long time. That's fine. Second time worked. <laughs> you do it. If it helps your faith, do it. Okay? Shall I tell you an experience in Africa? Okay, one of the denominations, they believe you should be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Guess what? They put you under three times. <laughs> so one day there was a lady from that denomination, and she asked me to baptize her. She was working for us, uh, with us in our office, and this is in Botswana. And I thought to myself, well, I don't agree with that theology. But I thought, okay, she, she's happy with going under three times. It works for her. For me, it works on the first time. So I did it. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. She was happy. I was happy. Well, some of you are not too happy about that, are you? That rattles your theology, doesn't it? Hey, if it works, do it. Yeah, I mean, uh, with, uh, sorry, I should be careful on that. In missions, it gets very, very mess messy. What we have nicely in appropriated little boxes doesn't always work out there. So you have to... Just go with the Holy Spirit and see what happens. So baptism, we can look back to it. Why, why I'm saying this story is it actually is a positional thing. It's a legal thing that happens in the Spirit. When I was baptized, I died. The old person was gone. 
I've acted it out, I've been raised again to resurrection life, but actually it's a journey after that, appropriating that. So that's why I wanted to share this little story about Simon, because again, it's just part of my reading after seeing that message about Stephen, then I read this and I thought, wow, his heart is not right. I hadn't sort of seen that, I mean, I've seen it, but I haven't seen it, you know what I mean? So we have a, we're on a journey of getting our hearts right, and that's what I want to encourage you with today. And that's when I was going to talk about David as an example, but I felt to bring that out because I think God was just emphasizing that. Um, so David is very interesting. In fact, you, you kind of need a bit more time than this. I'm just going to share a couple of things about him. He is an example of, of the heart cry. He's the example of how he followed after God. He's an example in many ways. He's an Old Testament person, but he had a New Testament experience. It, it sort of rattles the cage, doesn't it? He was the one that went into the, um, the tabernacle of God and ate the showbread. Anybody before him and after him who did that died. Why didn't David die? Well, I think it's because he had the heart of God. But I think, in a sense, he was living above the Old Testament covenant, which is the, you know, the, 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 ten, the ten commandments are the baseline, aren't they? The law. If you don't do that, you're sunk, right? But in Christ, we're brought above the ten commandments. Ah, we live by grace, don't we? And he helps us through all of that stuff, okay? That's a very quick sermon. <laughs> David was a picture of that. He was a picture of Christ. There's so many things that just doesn't fit with David. He, he built a tabernacle. While the other tabernacle was still operating across town, he built a tabernacle, brought the Ark of the Covenant in, the sides of it were up, the presence of God was seen by everybody, nobody died. Go figure. Anybody else, even when they were bringing the tabernacle, uh, bringing the, the Ark of the Covenant into town, and that guy left out and touched it, it the wrong way, he died. So David has some keys for us, which I just want to encourage you on, if you want to go further with that in your own time. But you see, he also demonstrates that heart after God. That's where I wanted to go. He demonstrated, a, he made mistakes, didn't he? You know, I don't want to go down that road. But, but he demonstrated a heart after God. No, he actually demo he demonstrated he was a man after God's heart. All right? So hence, that's why that and many other things is the reason why he is different in the Old Testament. We, the Psalms are just full of a cry after God, isn't it? You know, just Psalm after Psalm after Psalm are just, you know, th there's times when he's disappointed and he turns around at the end and begins to praise God again. He was the guy that was not chosen to be anointed. Remember when um, Samuel was sent to Jesse, to the house of Jesse. Jesse brought all his sons aboard. David was the last born. He was out with the sheep, learning how to, how to defeat, how to take a lion and a bear. Amen. Nobody thought about him as being anything nice. He was brought in smelling like a sheep and then anointed with oil to be king. There's so much there. There's so much richness about him. If you spend time just thinking about David and a heart after God, and I think he demonstrated what it is to have a, a heart that was circumcised. All right. So 
He said in Psalm 139, for example, verse 23, 139, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, O God. You know, there, there, I want to encourage you to, to do that if you haven't. I'm sure, I'm sure most of you have at times. But even go back to it from times ago, just lying on the floor, whatever you do, walking in the bush. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Somewhere it says, create in me a clean heart. I couldn't find where that scripture was. Create in me a clean heart. And so on. So, you know, that's, that's David. A man after God's own heart. And that's where God is leading us into that intimacy and so on. What is your cry? Do you actually want the same testimony that David had? We, we can have that same testimony. God can look down on you and say, a woman, a man, after my own heart. After my heart. I want to finish today with some, um, some footholds on how you can process this. How do I walk towards, apart from crying out to God, which I've spoken about, apart from being baptized, by the way, do it if you haven't been, just do it. If you were sprinkled when you were a kid and you know, I've been baptized, well, just get dipped. You, you dip the sheep every year, don't you? Uh, in the bush, yeah? Get rid of all the stuff. Just get dipped. Do it. Amen? <laughs> Plenty of water around. We'll find some. Um, then the old aspect of just crying out to God, you know, give me a, a clean heart. Lord, search my heart. Is there anything in there that's not good? Can I get closer to yours? You're inviting me into intimacy to know your heart. Wow, what a privilege, eh? Isn't that amazing? But I want to give you some practical steps from Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. And these were all given to me as a younger Christian, so there's not much, in a sense, new or haven't got from somebody else somewhere along the way. But it's always been instrumental for me when I've struggled with things, perhaps. I've applied this, gone through it over and over over the years. And here are some practical steps, I believe, to in our heart journey and seeing victory, seeing us come through some stuff, seeing some struggles that are going on and so on. Actually, the NIV says here, rules for holy living from chapter 3. That's not written by Paul, by the way, but just there. But I'm going to begin in verse 1 because it speaks about the heart immediately. Uh, chapter, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, since then you have been raised with Christ. It's speaking of that the baptism thing again, isn't it? Yes? Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Beautiful, isn't it? I so value just thinking of what heaven's like and trying to imagine that down here in my life. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. I, I love meditating on that, thinking it and praying it into being more and more as the days go by. So this one reflects that. Set your hearts on thing, things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died in baptism, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is in you, who is, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. It's one of the, I am saved, but I'm being saved. Amen. So I'm talking about your heart being saved. It's a journey. 
I am redeemed. If I die today, I go to heaven. Is my heart quite right? No, not really. But that's not, that's the, the thief on the cross, was he, you know, remember me today when you go into paradise, Lord. He said, he said yeah, um, you'll be with me in paradise today. Was he baptized? No. But there was that initial change in his spirit. He turned around on the inside and was it was his, his mind, his will, his emotion, you know, the heart, was that dealt with? No, but he still went to heaven, didn't he? Amen? So we're on a journey of seeing our hearts being uh, established and lined up with God so that we have a heart after God or a heart after his heart, a heart that's the same as his heart. We can have the same heart as God. That's on offer. Some of you don't believe me. We can have the same heart as God. God's not saying you can't have my heart. I love David. Why? Because he was after my heart. Was God saying, you can't have my heart, David? Blow you, mate. Getting too close. <laughs> Think it through. So God has got us on a journey um, into a complete heart, a heart that's connected, a heart that's operating functionally, properly. So there's three things that are listed here from verse 5 onwards. The first one says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But, okay. So it says, this, there's, a, there's, there's three categories of things here which I'm going to go through. This is the first one. This first list is there for a reason. It says, put them to death. Kill them. Guess who's got to do it? You. Oh, Lord, my heart is doing this and me, 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 me. I'm I've got greed. I've got idolatry or whatever. Sexual immorality is going on. He says, put it to death. How do you put something to death? One of the ways is to starve it. Right? That's helped me. How do you put to death these things? You know, I, I think maybe some of you might be able to help me on this one. But the one thing that helped me to understand this is starve it. Don't feed it. If you don't feed your, your cat, it'll go somewhere else. It'll go to, another it'll go to the neighbors, won't it? Yeah? <laughs> if you don't feed that area, whatever it is that's been a, a, a mountaintop, it's been, sorry, not a, a mountain for you, if you don't feed that lust, guess what? It's slowly going to get thinner and thinner. It's going to scream and yell and say, feed me. And it's going to eventually drop off and die. I use the analogy of, a, of a, in New Zealand, we use um, docking rings for docking lamb. That they take the tails and something else off. And that's a very strong little rubber ring which is put on a very young lamb and they go away wriggling their tails and so on. There's a little bit of pain there. Um, and you, you feel mean when you do it, but it's good for them in the long run. Within a few days, you come back and you see that tail is just sort of, it's got no life in it, but it's still hanging on, isn't it? All right. And you come back about a week and a half, two weeks later, no tail, dropped off. No blood going to it, not being fed, starved. Hello. So one way for me to deal with these areas is simply don't 
feed them, put them to death. And by the way, it's your responsibility. God will back you up. God, you know, our, our, our hearts are, and it's genuine. I don't think it's wrong. It's, Lord, you help me do this. You take this away. He says, no, you do it. I'll back you up. You put the knife in. You do it. You stop looking at that stuff. You stop listening to that stuff. You stop feeding it. It's going to scream. Have, have you, any of you done any fasting lately? What was it like about two hours in, four hours in, eight hours in, especially if you're fasting coffee as well? Oh, headaches and goodness knows what. It's going to hurt when you stop these things. I, I, I know that. But get somebody to help you. You know, let them hold the knife. <laughs> Whatever. Walk you through it just for those few days until that life of that thing starts to drain away. And it no longer, it'll try and come back at certain times, but just say, hold on, you are not being fed around here. You, cat, don't belong here. You now belong to the neighbor. Amen. I hope that helps you. Second area, uh, it speaks of, from verse 8, but you must, n n but now you must rid yourselves, different phraseology here, and a different list, of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self. Okay, so uh, maybe I can go a bit further here. Taken off your old self with its practices. Okay. So there's a second list here that we treat them differently. It's anger, rage, malice. Oh, Lord, help me with this anger. I don't want to be angry like this. By the way, there's, there's righteous anger. But we're not talking about that one. You know, that we can be angry about something that goes wrong. And that, that's fine. It shouldn't last. I'm talking about anger that just goes on and on. You're angry because of the way you are, somebody else's, and so on, and it just goes on and on. These, this list here says you get rid of them. You stop them. Not God. But if you stop it, God will back you up. Simple, again. So it's a little bit different. You don't kill these. You get rid of them. You take them off. As, as one would take a shirt or a hat off, you take them off, it's an action. I have determined no longer to swear or to speak against other people or whatever the case may be. I now realize that this is wrong and it's my issue, I have to deal with it, but God is going to back me up with this. Amen? So the first one, kill them. Second one, get rid of them, take them off. Then the third one is so encouraging because it speaks about putting on some things now. This is, this is the exciting part because God asks you to put on certain things from verse 10 and you have put on the new self. Put, and you put on the new self. You put on the new self. Oh, God, help me, me to be this new person. No, no, you put it on. You do it. I will help you, which has been, is, being, is being renewed, progressive, continuous in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, whatever, whatever. Christ is all and in all. Verse 12, therefore, as God's ch chosen people, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with, put on, same thing. What do we are to clothe ourselves with? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another, forgive. 
Whatever grievances you have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We have a tendency, again, is to say, Lord, give me love. Give me, give me patience, Lord. Well, don't, I just say don't pray those prayers because the very thing that forms patience is going to turn up, whatever she looks like. Here is patience. Um, patience has arrived. I mean, that's a lady it's, I'm talking about. Sorry, it could be your worker. It could be anybody. It could be somebody you work for. You have to put on patience. I'm going to tell you how that happens in a moment. You have to make the decision to walk in, in love. You have to make the decision to, um, to, to, to walk in humility, kindness, compassion, gentleness. These sounds like the fruit of the Spirit, don't they? Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, and so on. I just want to... Something that's helped me with this last list and that we have to put, on, put them on is, in fact, when you're born again... All of those are actually given to you in seed form. Uh, let me just talk you through this. Okay? So what about love uh, or, or joy? Joy would be a good one or peace. When you're born again, do you receive the nature of the master into your life? Well, going back to the original, we we're made in his image and likeness. Am I in the right place here? Oh, Okay. So, therefore, when I'm born again, in seed form at least, I've got love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, generous, self, long-suffering, patience. What's, who have I missed out on? Um, I have been, they're, they're in there. Now, as I grow as a Christian, I now begin to exercise those. Hello? Your responsibility, God backs us up. Let me give you an example of a little child. See, Damien's sweet is here, because Damien, you know, I know him from his little boy, and I don't know if he was a little rat bag, but, but I do remember that when he was first born, his mum and dad carried him around. Did he have the ability to walk in him when mum and dad carried him around? Aha. Uh -huh. Did he have the ability to talk when he was first born? Was it inside? Yes, it was. Hold on. It was in there. So the potential is there. The seed form of talking is inside, as well as listening and comprehending. All of that is in there, but you just give him a year, two years, three years, you couldn't stop him from climbing a tree. Talking, probably. I can't quite remember now, Damien, actually. <laughs> but look at all your children, your grandchildren. When they were first born, they couldn't do anything. They're totally reliant on you. But everything that they needed for their whole life was actually inside of them in seed form. Hello? Bring it over into the spiritual now. When I'm born again, the Father above, guess what was inside of me, perhaps in seed form? Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, all of those fruits of the Spirit. Aha. So, the first thing is to recognize that these are actually in there. It's, it's been a journey for me to recognize that. But what I've begun to extend beyond that is that I can actually release peace. I can release joy. Can, can I share a little? Is that okay? Tia had a word over Betia this morning about joy. And um, so I just prayed it because straight away I thought, okay. So I just prayed. I released joy. 
but I also spoke to the joy inside her to come up. Yeah, what happened actually? Because I, you didn't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt it. Yeah. Okay, so and she had a little giggle, that's right. So two things happened. One, I shared some of my joy. Now, some of you might go, this is stretching things. How do you do that? You know, what happens? Is something else might come out, yeah, but we just trust in our heart journey that most things are going to be fairly good, and we cover those things up, you know. But so I shared my joy. Uh, perhaps just to give you a little bit of an illustration, John chapter 4, the woman at the well, what was the promise that Jesus gave, gave to her? That she would have living water would rise up from within her. A well of living water would be placed in her. That's the picture of salvation. So I imagine that you have a, a well of living water. In there is joy. It might be small. Okay? So I, when I often pray for people, I look for that well and I speak to that well, well up. Because I know that there's joy in there, peace in there, whatever it is I, that we're looking for. And generally it's the joy one we need or the love. It's in there. Not only that, I have it as well. So we'll just add it into the mix and see what happens. Well, aren't you trusting the Lord? Totally. Please. It is part of that whole picture. I think we, can't, we put a lot of stuff onto God where God said, well, actually, I gave that to you. You go and do it. I, I gave you authority to run the earth. Why don't you go and do it? Why you keep on coming back to me? <laughs> I'm sort of overstating it here. Are you with me? Are some of you shocked this morning? You're right. You're going you're gonna to survive. So when I actually minister in the anointing, I actually imagine that anointing flowing out of me into people's lives. You know, sometimes I see it coming down direct from God. I don't know how he does things most of the time. You're just trying to keep up with him, don't you? It's fun. Just keeping up with him. Actually, Brad's not here. But I saw a funny thing happen. last When we prayed for you last week, I saw this block of nard, anointing nard, just come down on top of his head. So I spoke it. I released it. Actually, I didn't use the word anointing nard because I, I was still trying to get that. But the anointing, as I said anointing, I saw this block of anointing nard coming down. And the thought was behind that, by the way, is that that had been prepared since before the creation of the earth for last week. It all came into my spirit. I forgot to tell you after that. But, you know, I'm thinking, you know, when each, each time God shows us these things, my brain just goes, I do not understand this. This is too much. But we follow the Holy Spirit and we're in a safe place here. If I prophesy something wrong, I'm going to be spoken to. So it's, I'm safe. Hallelujah. You're safe. Amen. Uh, last week, I won't say who it is. I said to somebody who was praying here that, you know, why don't you go and pray for Rachel? And so I, I encouraged that person to come closer. And I, was, I just knew that there's something in her that she could release. And sure enough, she had a word. It's all of you carry this anointing. I'm coming back to the fruits of the Spirit. All of you have got the fruits of the Spirit inside of you. Maybe not fully formed. I understand that. And that's what I believe is a circumcised heart. It's one of full of the fruits of the Spirit being released, held for yourself, obviously, to enjoy and to, and to use, but to release them. I can walk into a room and I can bring peace into a room. Hello? If there's turmoil at your workplace, just practice it. Am I doing witchcraft? No. I'm bringing God into the situation. And it's just an 
unending well. Hey, let's go to John chapter 7. That speaks of rivers of living water coming from where? Deb, you all right? Where do those rivers of water come from? Right. <laughs> Supernatural. See, it's a supernatural river that God has placed in you as a result of the baptism of the Spirit. We go, we go from the well situation, which is amazing. Dra you know, drawing water from a well is amazing, clear and good. If you get into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's now rivers of living water. Where does this end? I don't know. Well, it doesn't. <laughs> Amen, because, well, better be careful. Okay. No. Ezekiel's river is a picture of that happening. And that river just kept on going out, and there was trees growing by the side and seasons of fruit. And you just take this on, and this is what God wants to do through you and me, wherever we are, is to release what is popping. And you'll be surprised how much He wants to bless others just through your life. Even though imperfect, yes, imperfect, broken, fractured, still getting things together. I'm sure that's what Betty was thinking of this morning. There's this mess happening here. What I like about this place, by the way, is in the middle of the mess, there's this beautiful worship that happens and people after God. I love it. I was, I never cry in the service. Very rarely, I was finished this morning. I can hardly stand up. I'm the Statue of Liberty normally. Everybody can be absolutely flat on the ground. I'm still walking around. This morning, I had to sit down. That's how good God is getting. Amen? I thought it was the coffee, but I better not say that. It was the anointing. It was the presence of God. <laughs> and, um, yeah, just wanted... You, the, these guys are special, aren't they? Wow. I got undone this morning as we started praying for them because I saw things. I first of all saw a, a, a stake in the sand. We, we, we are here. We've, ar we've arrived. And then I saw the next thing is like those soldiers putting a flag up on top of the hill. And <laughs> these guys have taken the brunt of that. <laughs> a lot of it. <coughs> Our prayer team. I really believe that we've, there's, there's a point where we've taken a high place. I don't understand it all. Um, I've come from the military, so I kind of know what goes on. There's a forward group that often end up taking a high place. And then we are the ones that need to. Where I'm going is actually, I just want to continue to pray for these guys and you know, just think of them during the week. They're, they're taking the, a lot of the brunt with the wider team. I understand that, but they're taking the brunt of some stuff as we are taking ground. And uh, it's obviously disturbing the enemy, by the way, that a house can be broken into seven or different bits of, Seven or eight, six or seven times over two or three weeks. Why does that happen? That's unusual. So the enemy is getting very, very distraught. It's hurting big time. Why did I get onto that? I don't know. But hey, a heart after God. Amen. If I can just say that. that's what this is all about this morning. Is 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 um, God wants us to to be like David in that sense. I have found David a man after my own heart. And it's interesting, he will do whatever I tell him. Amen. I just want to leave that with you this morning. and Yeah, go out there, kill some giants. Um, what did I say? Kill some things, get rid of some things, and splash out some other things. Amen.
Just do it. I think that requires some ministry time. Um, uh, 